This is a Soul Fire production. You're listening to the Simply Be podcast, episode number 244. Well, hello and welcome back to the show, my beautiful, beautiful friends. I am coming at you probably as you're listening to this from Costa Rica. I am there in the midst of writing my second book. I'm so excited I can finally share it and talk about it, but it is a brand new message inspired by, of course, the message I put out with B and how my reader is really attuned so much to the, yes, the tools of building a personal brand, but really the permission slip to fully be themselves in the world. And I'm going to take you deeper. So I am on a writing sabbatical in Uvita, Costa Rica, making this beautiful book for all of you. So more to come on that. So today's conversation is going to be really, really powerful. This was one of those interviews where sidebar, but you know, as an interviewer, you don't need to talk as much as your guest. At least I try to be a great listener, you know, to really give my guests the space to share and I'm there to guide and facilitate the conversation, but it's not about me, right? I've learned how to become a better interviewer as the many years have gone by. It's definitely an art. This was one of those conversations where I didn't want him to stop talking. <laughs> I just wanted to listen to him. And, you know, I poked and I prodded to kind of go deeper into what he was teaching because I personally felt so selfish and in a good way for me to learn what he was, you know, teaching and what he was sharing. Really, you guys, I mean, I have been talking about light codes and abundance codes and DNA and how to really shift our relationship with the quantum reality to manifest the life we desire, how to, you know, make more money, align to our purpose and really live in the flow, have it come back to us in spades, financially speaking. And, you know, this is the month of May. We are talking about an incredible theme. One of my favorites I think we've ever done, which is change your mind, change your life. And really the game of building big businesses and making a lot of money and activating your authenticity. It's the people who are really doing it have mastered the mind are people who are ruthlessly studying themselves, their personality types, their quirks, their idiosyncrasies. They're taking, you know, the Enneagram test and the love language tests and the Myers-Briggs and astrology and human design and just relentlessly wanting to uncover the truth of who they are based on their cosmic blueprint. And that is so, so powerful when we really get in touch with how we are designed. And so my guest today has, you know, just this amazing story of entering this life and having some pretty serious odds stacked against him. His circumstances were certainly not ideal. And yet he has found a way to not only rise, persevere, succeed, but become a beacon of service for so many people in this world to transcend themselves. And that is my kind of person. And frankly, I get pitched a lot of different types of guests for my show and I've become a lot more selective because the show's evolved and I I really want to feel it as much as I want you to feel it. And when I had this man come into my inbox to ask to be on my show, I felt it. 
And it wasn't just what was on paper, but it was the, the frequency. And I mentioned this at the end of the episode, just how clear his energy was even before I even met him. And you're going to really see why today. And I really want this to be a lesson for you of what's possible when you change your mind and you change your life specifically around money and how we can continue to grow our capacity to receive and trust ourselves and know our worth and build businesses that are not rooted on necessarily the best strategy or the perfect funnel or the greatest messaging, although those things certainly help. But the true unshakable self-belief that we can have it all. We can have it all. And that is really what my guest today, Daniel Mangina, is here to talk about how to really code your own unique money DNA so that you can leverage it infinitely and step into unlimited flow because a flow state is the aligned state. It is the manifestation state. And we talk a lot about alignment and manifestation and abundance all the time on the show. But what's so amazing about this interview is that Daniel actually breaks it down as to like, how do you actually apply it? Because sometimes it can be up here and cerebral and just fun things to talk about because they're buzzy. But this is actually a lesson, a masterclass in how to unpack your personal path to creating more money in this life based on who you uniquely are. That is his mastery. And I'm so excited to bring it to you. So who is Daniel Mangina? Well, first, let me explain to you his mission and why I wanted him on my show so much. So his mission is to spearhead an evolutionary uplift in universal consciousness by awakening people to the importance of their unique role already encoded within. This deep and often ignored or undervalued passion is defined as their dream. He is here to help people find an alignment with their dream life to their real life of abundance, joy, and purpose. He received a late diagnosis of Asperger's and experienced some life-shattering trauma at the age of just 20. He grappled with suicidal ideation and spent the majority of his young adult life really struggling to keep these revelations and events from spilling into every area of his life. And he, as a result, had to become super, super for lack of a better word, disciplined. And so while his method and his mission, I should say, is so worldly and high vibrationally cosmic around the state of the world's consciousness, like, yo, I'm here for it. He has this incredibly pragmatic, linear way of breaking it down so that everyone can apply it. And that's really where I fell in love with him. Because I like to talk about all the woo-woo stuff too, as you know, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the frameworks, the tools, the practices, the steps to actually execute it, it's just ideas. It's just inspiration. And he's really here to help you apply and put pedal to the metal so that you can really live in a state of abundance. So 
Daniel is the author of Do It With Dan. He's got a podcast series. He's an internationally recognized keynote speaker. He's been featured on all major platforms, including recently being named a master of success by the Wall Street Journal. Okay, you guys, Wall Street Journal is like no joke. That's legit. He's legit. He's a light. He's pure love. And I was so blessed to have this one-on-one conversation with him that I just so happened to record that all of you could hear. But I was so enamored with everything coming out of his mouth. And I, I know you will be too. He's the real deal. So without further ado, here is my incredible conversation with the equally incredible, if not beyond incredible, no words for this man, Daniel and Gina. I am really working on joy. Like joy has become my job from a place of an old identity that I was living out for quite some time. And you came into my inbox and I was like, this is the type of person I need to know. And I want to learn from and learn your story. And so just God bless you. Like what you're doing is so powerful. And I'm just really excited for this conversation to bring you onto my podcast. It's so relevant to me, what you're doing. Well, I'm at a really weird crossroads at the moment with everything that that I'm doing. And so I don't think you understand how much I want to cry that you said that right now. So thank you. You're welcome. I think everything happens at the perfect time, as you probably know. Too too perfecto. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about you. I want to, I want to talk about, you know, one of the things that really speaks to me is your, is your focus on joy and raising your frequency and, you know, money DNA and how you've incorporated spirituality into business. These are all things that are like music to my ears, but where are you right now? Like, who are you beyond the resume and all the things that I can, I promise you, <laughs> tell me about so, where you've been. I mean, so I didn't really desire to do this work. I actually was running away from it. I had very much a Jonah and the whale introduction into the work that I do. You know, a lot of people, they come to this work because they feel unfulfilled or they were in their corporate job and they weren't loving their life. I was living my best life, Jessica. Like I was actually living my best life. I cultivated a good life after quite a messy, I want to say, <sighs> I want to say a messy sort of like 12 to 13 years. Like, and I got to a place where everything worked. I lived where I wanted to live. I was traveling to do the things I wanted to travel. My business was functioning. I wasn't in the committed relationship at the time, but I didn't really want to be in a committed relationship at the time. But my friendships were great. My family relationships were great. And here was this call coming in for me to change all of that and to consider going into like doing work with people, like bringing humans into my very tidy little bubble world. And I resisted it, I resisted it, I resisted it, I resisted it. Fast forward now, what year are we now? 2023. Fast forward, I want to say seven years. And now I'm at a point where I separated from my wife last year. Amicably, we get on amazingly now, really, really well. I have my two-year-old son, Financially, I don't really need to do much. I've got enough business interests and stuff that kind of keep me ticking away. I'm in Dubai right now. I'm going to Belize next week. The week after that, I'm going to be with Richard Branson on his private island kicking it. I'm going to be in the Caribbean for a little bit after that. April, I'm probably going to be spending most of it with my kid in Mexico. Like, I kind of like chill. Like, today I went shopping and like hung out at the mall. That was my day. Like, I didn't really have much to do. And so I'm kind of in this place where it's like, 
my personal development business, my business that's around this stuff accidentally did really well. I didn't go into it to try and make money, but it made money. It ticks away now. It does its thing. But I kind of started to feel a very tiny little bit of a disconnect to the very pure service-driven intention that was behind it in the first place. And so the, the, the space I'm in right now is finding a middle ground because now I do have a team. I've got employees and stuff like that. So there has to be some businessing going on, but it's finding the balance again where the businessing happens, but it's not any kind of focus. It's the byproduct and everything else is a lot more permanent. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, and I'm walking that fine line with, with everything that I'm doing and um, finding the way that that works creating space for people who do want to invest with us to kind of go a bit deeper into what we share, but organizing everything so that it works as an organism and still delivers that heart-centered yes that did actually have me answer the call after a lot of knocking on the head a few years ago. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's actually super vulnerable. Much of that was vulnerable, but what really stuck out to me was your admission of building a business that was rooted in service from day one, based on where you were before this, those 13 years, which I want to talk about and losing a little sight of that because you get caught up in the business of businessing. And I think we all go through those cycles. I myself as well. And I just think it's amazing. Like we, we are always students of our teachings. Like we can't teach it unless we are always evolving our lessons. And sometimes we have to learn the same lessons over and over again. (laughs) So I really, really appreciate that. I think it's um, amazing to hear coming out of your mouth. Will you take me and my audience back to the days of darkness and Asperger's and just, you know, before you became this clear light thought leader, you know, really helping serve, serve people because you couldn't even serve yourself for a time. So can you mm-hmm. talk about that chapter of your career, your, your life? I think that would be really powerful for people to hear directly from you. So I like to describe my life as like a trilogy. And so we've got like book one, film one, film two, and film three. I'm in film three at the moment, but it feels like I'm moving into like the next trilogy kind of thing at the moment. But this last book that we're in right now started the 13th of February 2018 Uh, and then there was a period up until then that kind of goes back to 2008 and over that five-year period I was in a crazily dark place and then book one is like birth into that evolution and I was kind of cursed with a lot of success very early without having faced the contrast the tension the life experience actually supported that amount of growth and success at that age. Now, when I listen to like Esther Hicks channeling, which she goes, oh, you know, you need the contrast. It's what creates the texture, whatever. I get it when I look back at my life because I, I hadn't been tested. And when you're like 18, 19 years old, making millions of pounds, like living your best life without actually having seen any life yet, I was still a virgin when I made my first million. No, like, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, you know? wasn't drinking was i was just like literally just like a little robot like i am going to be a business person and unfortunately when you have like this clear line with no resistance you don't have the life lessons that teach you that you need other people you don't get the life lessons that teach you to ask for help or to seek support and when everything's kind of worked out for you magically for so long especially when you're that young sort of building this identity like it's very easy to fall into a place of thinking, oh, everything's always going to work out. It's always going to be this way. And I know everything. And that's kind of where I was. I had 
I was a very arrogant little toe rag because I hadn't seen any evidence to the contrary. I got into stuff like manifesting, as it's called now, but it wasn't really that, you know, going back 20 something years. It was more like conscious creation is what it was kind of kind of referred to or, or using thought to create your reality. There wasn't manifesting and, and law of attraction wasn't really the, the unvogue phrases at the time. But I was reading books like Thinking Very Rich, Psycho-Cybernetics. I was reading like The Master Key System, Wallace Wattles when I was a teenager. And I was applying those principles and it was actually working. I'll never forget one of the funniest things that ever happened was I sat there and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I just decided that I wanted to like create some ice cream now and I got ice cream and a mate came to my house with Ben and Jerry's ice cream, like within an hour. And it's like, I kind of, I'd gotten to that point, but again, there was no contrast, there was no texture. And so when the pendulum swung the other way, as we now know that it always does, I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And so I lost everything the first time when I was 19. Unfortunately, I didn't have the licenses for one of my businesses. So the authorities came and seized all my assets went through like a four and a half year investigation. Oh. And during that time, I was like, no worries. I'm just going to go and do it again. And within a year and a half, I was a millionaire again. I signed another business and I was a millionaire again within a year and a half. And then the second time, everyone stole everything. And, and I had to like look at the disillusion of all of these broken pieces. And it was in that moment I realized, fudge, Dan, maybe you don't know everything. But until that point, I'm like 23 now. I've spent the best part of a decade really building this identity of someone who knows everything. I was like, mm-hmm. I've had the te- head teacher's prize at school, top student. Even when people didn't want me to do it, I still got the head teacher's prize. I was on the honor rolls of my, or the first black person on the honor roll of my school in 100 years. I got the, I was a senior prefect, even though a lot of staff lobbied against me getting it. Like everything that I went for, I got. Everything I went for, I got. And so I didn't have anything to say that if you go for it, you can't have it. Or I didn't have the experience to know what to do when things don't necessarily go your way. Again, when that pendulum swings. And so when I'm sitting there looking at these broken pieces, me having arrogantly spent all of these years telling people, do you know who I am? I'm the person that's got the key to the universe. And I'm looking at a very broken universe. It left me thinking that I had no value. I didn't know what was going on. And the only thing that made any sense was suicide. Because it was like, oh my God, this is just this is just a mess. And the crazy, crazy thing was the only reason why I didn't make a specific suicide attempt was because I felt like such a loser that I thought if I tried to commit suicide, I would fail. And I didn't want to be the loser who couldn't even do that on top of everything else. That's the only thing that stopped me making an attempt. And I went into this really weird analytical path that makes sense now, where I was like, oh. If I want to pull this off, what I need to do is I need to get my head straight and not be a loser anymore so that when I go for a suicide attempt, it works. And so I went balls deep over everything that I'd learned before, going into new new books, new studying. I learned to transliterate ancient languages like Hebrew, Aramaic, and Arabic so that I could learn ancient texts. And But about two and a half years, three years, all I did was consume, trying to understand what had gone wrong. Books like The Alchemist came out around that time. The Secret came out around that time. And I was like, well, that, well, you know, that's poppycock, that's poppycock, that's not right, that works. And I was trying to put these pieces together, but not to try and save myself, but to save myself from the mess that I thought I'd created. But the wild thing, and this is kind of the book two, this whole, from that moment of making my commitment through to February 2013, what I hadn't realized is that I spent so much time positively polluting my mind with positive content that I ended up actually rewiring what was going on inside and my life started changing without me even realizing it. And I remember waking up 2015. 
I just got back from a trip to Thailand with my cousin. My business at the time was doing really well. I'd been away for 10 days and I'd only taken one call for 10 minutes. And the rest of the time, my business was ticking away. I had fun. I made friends, wasn't a virgin anymore, all of the things. And <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there. And I realized, oh my God, I haven't thought about suicide. And I couldn't remember the last time I thought about suicide. And that kind of led into what became I do now, which was backtracking over those years and working out, well, what had actually happened for me to be so committed to that outcome, to living a life that I actually had come to love? And was it repeatable? Was it an accident? Or had I actually now cracked the code? And that was what actually happened. So this code, I love that you use that word. Um, <laughs> this sort of rewiring that you, you did of your subconscious, even subconsciously from kind of what I mm -hmm. just took from has really informed from what I can see sort of the, the Dan methodology, like this way that you mm. guide people you serve to kind of help them awaken and become enlightened and apply. And you've really rewritten, I think, a lot of these philosophies on manifestation and made them more tangible. And so talk to me about this, the evolution of business called you did you think you would build a personal brand and like have a personal no. platform like how did all of that no. then comes and even today i still kind of resist the personal branding stuff like i don't really like very rarely do i go on my stories my team generally handles my social media i log in if i have to like can't you just repurpose some stuff like i've got like a private instagram account that's like for me and my family and my kid and stuff but like the big one i don't really i i have to go in now and then but yeah, it wasn't my intention because I'm not trying to be famous. You know, I'm not trying to be the guy. In fact, I resist anything inside me that kind of moves towards that way, which is so crazy that, like, I wonder sometimes if I Jedi mind trick the universe, is that why, like, things kind of <laughs> work out for me? Because there's people that I know that are really trying really hard to, like, make moves or whatever. And I haven't really been in this industry that long. I just got invited to join Jack Frank Canfield's Transformational Leadership Council last month, which is, like, all, like, my heroes from this work that we do and like i was hanging out with them in january and i was like oh my god here are all my heroes some of the people that literally pulled me out of the darkness and i'm sitting here like having breakfast and like talking shop with them it's like it wasn't my intention at all i didn't come to this to do that in fact in terms of even the business side of it i remember it was august 2018 uh, i just did an event in scott's valley northern california and a guy who I love and respect called Barry had come to support the event. And I did everything like I was living off my savings at the time, lying around the world, renting spaces, renting halls and saying, oh, you know, if you want to give a donation. I literally wasn't even thinking about businessy thing. People were like, oh, can you, I'm not a coach. Like just, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there or whatever. And after a while, people kind of bring me to places, but I wasn't businessing at all. There was no businessy intention. It's just, I wanted people to see these principles see these ideas and to play with them and then barry sat me down and he was like dan i love what you're doing but don't you think that if you let the abundance in you'd be able to help more people what would happen if you had enough abundance to actually touch more lives if you could spread your reach i just want you to think about that i said oh within four months the business had done six figures then it was doing six figures quarterly six figures monthly now we do six figures weekly and it wasn't that i went out and i was like oh yeah i want to i want to i want to my two problem club award i'm gonna get my funnel right it wasn't it was just I really do believe that people deserve to live an abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. And I, I'm convinced that the divine has put me here to be an agent, to bring some ideas that might support people in making a move in that direction. Oh, so good. 
so good. So let's talk about money because (laughs) this is obviously something that's top of mind for everybody and everybody wants to manifest and live an abundant life. I mean, for those that believe that they deserve it. And I think most people who listen to my show know that's true. Mm -hmm. You you speak about money DNA, uh, Mm -hmm. infinite leverage, unlimited flow. I read that. I was Mm -hmm. like, tell me, Dan, tell me how I I do. (laughs) Because I want six figure. (laughs) Everybody does. I mean, the money DNA piece kind of evolved from the fact I've been obsessed with personality profiles for a very long time. So I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was 27. And I actually came to understand the reason why I made that, I had that thought process that saved me was because my brain's wired differently. I don't have, I physically don't have the wiring in my brain to make impulsive decisions. Anytime my brain wants to do something, it has to go through these ones and zeros. And so, thank you, Lord. It went through those ones and zeros. It's like, oh, this isn't going to work. So, one of the things that I've come to see and really digest and really breathe with all of me is that none of us are the same. We're all different. And when we look at like coaching principles or business strategy ideas, and you'll see someone will be like, oh, how comes chat GPT is working for those people? It's not working for me. I copied that exact funnel. I did the thing imagingly and it didn't work. Or I did the exact thing and I did the launch and I did the thing and it doesn't work for everyone, but it works for some people. And it's because everybody has a unique way that they flow with the energy that we call money. And when we understand and can break down some of the the components of what constitutes how we can identify where that flow exists, rather than grafting, we can actually be in a very flowing place, simply stepping into the water and going downstream. And that's what we teach people with Money DNA. There are five core areas that we've identified as being kind of like markers to where the flow exists. And when you can understand what your flowing place is, you can start to align your life to step into that flow versus, you know, so many people, for example, are like cold calling or cold DMing, right? And they'll they'll see that coach. It's like, oh my God, if you do cold DMs, if you just do this many, you're going to have sales and you're going to have a big. And there's some people that are like, they're putting in the work. They're doing a hundred DMs a day, but they're not making any sales. And the reason why is because their energy is not aligned with that way of communicating with others. And so when they go off and do that initiative action, they're out of flow. And because we feel before we hear, taste, see, or touch, people can feel that unaligned energy and they either don't want to respond or they don't feel good. Or even if they do buy in, they get buyer's remorse. You have people that are difficult to work with. They want to refund or whatever the thing is because not all money is good money. And so what we do is we support people in identifying where the flow exists so they can organize their life and business to be in that flow so that they can work. I mean, I don't really work more than 10 hours a week. I don't. I don't work more than 10 hours a week. And that's even on like a week where I've got podcast interviews and things. Like if I didn't, like last week, I probably worked four and a half hours last week. Like maybe the dream. I want to dig into the nuts and bolts of like the day in the life, the week in the life, your business, all of that. Before we get there, you mentioned these mm-hmm. five pillars that get you into alignment. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the buzzword of the year. And I, I, you said it just now and I love it. But alignment, yeah, I mean, it's the magic. Getting into alignment Mm-hmm. really does look different for everybody. It does. Uh-huh. And I love that you have this like framework against that of like how you decide what alignment looks like for you. So can you, for me and for my audience, like break down what those five things are? Sure. The first thing is the vehicle, right? And it's, there are so many different ways to be in a space where you can, let me take a step back. First and foremost, anyone who's listening to this that doesn't understand that good money come from you exchanging value with others by either solving a problem and they're bringing them from a place of pain 
That's it. There is no money that comes from anywhere else at all. If you win the lottery, someone else has given their money in order for you to exchange, for you to get yours. Like for you to win, millions of people had to lose. Like if you win the super lotto, tens if not hundreds of millions of people lost in order for you to have. There's been an exchange of values. And I firmly believe that's one of the reasons why win for money, I think it's within five years, 90% of people go back to exactly where they were because it's not on resonant frequency. It can't hold, right? And so if you want to create money, if you want money in your life, there's going to be an exchange where you're even creating value for someone else. You're liberating them from a place of pain and they're remunerating you for it, or you're solving a problem for them and they're remunerating for that for you. Even if you have a job, you're still doing one of these things. You as the chief operations officer are liberating the CEO from the pain of having their operations not run properly, or you're solving this, the problem of them having an operations issue by you exchanging your time and energy or your paycheck. Regardless of whether it's a business or a job, this is still what's going on, okay? And there are countless vehicles through which that can happen. And what happens is that people go for the latest bugs or they go for the latest sexy thing and they think, oh, I'm going to go and do, I don't know, what's something that everyone wants to be now? Like everybody wants to be a coach right now, right? right? Everyone's, I'm, I'm a healer, I'm a coach. Huh, I'm a shaman. <laughs> I'm a shaman. Oh my God, please. We need to talk about that one. But it's just I know some like legit like seventh generation shaman and they're like Me too. did a course in California last yep. weekend and, and gives out psychedelics and he's a shaman. Uh-huh. Doing ayahuasca in his apartment in Santa Monica. But we, di- we digress. Continue. We digress. We digress. The bottom line is, is that just because it's a buzzword doesn't mean that that vehicle is going to be aligned with you. And there are certain personality profile tests that we can do that are going to give us very heavy probability clues as to where your flow is more likely to be. One of them is a test by Roger Hamilton called your Wealth Dynamics Profile. And the Wealth Dynamics Profile will put you into one of four boxes as to how you most naturally flow with money. There's Dynamo, Blaze, Tempo, and Steel. Dynamos are creative. They're going to be in the most flow when they are being creative, coming up with ideas, being the originator, making things new, making things fresh. Their money is in ideas and evolving or creating ideas, okay? A blaze genius is with people. Their money is going to be with people, whether it's relationships or being on the front line or organizing people, organizing human energy. Tempo is all about knowing when. They know how to time things. They're going to know the best time to do things. Still, is great with operation. They're going to organize and hold things and move things in a, in, 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 a, in a constructive way that's going to create value. If I'm a dynamo and I'm trying to organize systems and processes, I'm going to be out of flow. I'm going to burn out. I'm going to feel out of whack. I'm going to be... So there are solopreneurs, for example, that are creative geniuses, but they're trying to like organize all of the things and organize a diary. And it's just pulling their energy and, and having them out of flow. You've got a highly introverted operations person they're trying to go to networking meetings and wondering why they're not getting any business. They're trying to be the front of all of their webinars and wondering why they're not getting any conversion because you're out of whack. People can feel the energy and they're not buying, you know? And so when you understand that, it just changes the game in terms of you stepping into more flow and allowing that abundance to move through your life. Okay. I feel so seen right now because thank you for explaining that. <laughs> Hi. Okay. We just met. I've been running, I've been an entrepreneur for, for 15 years. My last six years of my business has been a rocket ride, scaled it from mm-hmm. zero to a multi-million dollar agency. And 2022 last year was the hardest year of my life. Like was gutting. I reached burnout. I was depressed. I had, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had to do ketamine to like get me back, but it didn't really heal. It healed my neuro- neuroplasticity, but it didn't heal my 
work addiction and habits. And I ended up demoting. I did a reorg. I I mean, I've like, you know, I went from zero people to a 25 full-time agency in less than five years and Mm -hmm. executive running my operations that needed to step down. And so I stepped in as operate. I think I'm a dynamo. I'm pretty sure I'm a dynamo just based on that experience. And and I'm going to be honest, and I haven't really shared this with anybody. We're in a very different place in 23, but 22 was like really hard financially. Like I was in so much scarcity. The business was in so much scarcity. And I'm very much, the, I'm an emotional generator in human design. I'm like the power source of the business. And I was mm-hmm. so out of alignment because I was like a dynamo in a steel role mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. seven months. And I was like dark. It like mm-hmm. nearly broke my soul. By the end of mm-hmm. year, close to November, I was almost ready to like dump my business. I didn't want to do it anymore. And mm-hmm. now I've brought in a, a killer steel who has allowed me, and I'm paying her okay, a premium. Back it's an it's an equal exchange, and now I'm mm-hmm. my lane of genius again, and I feel like a different person. So and yummy, we're, huh? yo, so yummy, and I'm manifesting like money is mm-hmm. things are coming, it's flowing. So I just wanted to reflect that back for my audience that knows me well. Like what you're talking about has real application to my mm-hmm. own personal journey as of late. So okay, so just to kind of click into this. You have the, these five pillars, you kind of understand your style. Once you know that, what then do you start doing? How do you, how do you apply the rest of the steps to get into that flow? I mean, if we look at the, the vehicle, right, straight up on the vehicle piece, it's like, maybe you're not supposed to be doing one-on-one coaching. Maybe not. Maybe you should be delivering pre-recorded content. Maybe you should be doing audio instead of video because your energy doesn't fit with the video, right? Maybe this isn't even the industry that you're supposed to be in. Maybe there's mm. another industry that's got the thing for you. And that's what we identify with the vehicle, but we kind of dial that in again with pillar two, which is the role. And what you're actually speaking to actually moves from the vehicle into the role a little piece. And we actually use human design very much in the role aspect because the way that we engage with the energy of a thing is clearly shared with us with human design. So I'm a, I'm a sacred generator, right? And so you have people that are projectors that are trying to be working 10 hour days but projected energy only works optimally at maybe four or five hours max. And then they need rest and recuperation. A projector is best in a directive role, consulting and kind of being that way rather than trying to be in the driver's seat, making everything happen. We generators, we can put the work and we can do those 10 hour days or whatever because we've got the power to do that, but not everybody has that. And even when we talked about the DMing before, pure manifestors are the only ones that are going to have no energetic resistance at all to doing cold DMs. But as you know, manifestors are one of the, the most rare human designs. Yeah. They're one of the smallest types. Manifesting generators can get away with it if they do it a particular way, if the style of the messaging is a particular way and it leaves space for the response, they can get away with it. And they're not as rare, but that's where we're seeing. So we're seeing manifestors and manifesting generators get away with a particular type of doing things they're then going out and saying to the world, come and buy my program. I'm going to teach you to do this thing. But then everybody else that's trying to do it doesn't necessarily have the energetic flow to make it work. So what we're looking at with the role number two is how do my personal energetics, my proclivities, my skills as well, it's not just about the energy, it's also my skills and my aptitudes. How do they line up with the role that I should be playing in the way that I exchange value with people? Am I in the wrong job? Am I in the wrong career? Am I playing the wrong role in my business? Am I not being supported more fully? I'm a 
very much pure, like I'm dynamo. I've got some mechanic energy and I've got some star energy, but my main thing is dynamo. So I don't book any of my calls. I don't do any of my scheduling. Like I don't do any, any of that. I hire in and let people do that. I don't do my customer service. As much as possible, we try and make any front-end sales stuff very, very, very pre-recorded or written so that my energy is not mixed up in it because I'm a generator and therefore I shouldn't be initiating. Therefore, when I do do things like sales closing, it's very much, I spend so much time filtering so that the people who do come into a conversation have already said the yes. And then it's just about making that conversion from the yes versus me. Hey, have you heard about this amazing thing? I'd like to serve you with it because my energy is not going to match it. And that's what the role's all about. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's the road. Give me the crash course on the other three. Right. Number three is internal communication. So very, very quickly, you've heard of Gary Chapman's five love languages, I'm sure. Yes, of course. Yes. What's your first? What's yours? Acts of service and quality time. Is mine. Yeah. mine is mine is physical touch. And mm-hmm. my husband, my married, my husband, his last one is physical touch. And my last one is service and his last it's like we're like opposite like <laughs> inverted anyway i'm very but familiar with five love language each other you could yeah. do but it takes yeah. that time but one of the things that i identified was that put it this way when you walk in to the room and you're like you're flicking that hair and you're like Mm-mm-mm. and he's like i wish she would just like do like an act of service and you're like wish she would just like give me a cuddle right now euphemism and like you guys aren't sitting there having this conscious conversation. That's not what's happening. The unconscious is processing the inputs happening in the space mm-hmm. and we're either feeling or not feeling the resonant of the other person trying to communicate. So my ex-wife, her primary was physical touch and she was gift. And so for her, unless I'm physically with her, giving her cuddles, she just doesn't feel like it doesn't matter how many acts of service that I do or whatever the thing, unless she's getting that physical reassurance, that tactile, she's just not feeling it right if we go into her mind what's actually happening is let's say for example i'm away for a protracted period of time she might not even know why she's feeling this lack of love or whatever the thing is unconscious mind is seeing the absence of physical touch and is making the the calculation that i'm not being loved by dan it all happens at the unconscious so this is what i actually came to understand about this that means we are all processing information of a positive nature when our love language is being met. And so you being physical touch, number one, when hubby comes in and he just walks in from wherever he's been and he just comes up behind you and he just holds you and says, I love you and gives you that kiss. And you're like, yes, baby. Yes, you do. I feel it. You don't sit there and say, I just got feel loved in this moment. Your brain processes those inputs and generates the output that's aligned with the desired output of his communication of you feeling loved. Yes. We all have an unconscious mind that's processing data. And the love language is essentially a secret key to understanding how can I drop a message into my unconscious mind that it's actually going to receive positively. Because if I'm communicating love through the love language, my brain receives the love and generates the love. So if I want to receive, if I want to send in a new habit, a new behavior, a new thought pattern, a new belief, if it's Trojan horse in my love language, my unconscious mind can actually receive it and process it as the desired outcome. So what we do is we use love languages and a couple of other things to understand how can I introduce new habits, new patterns of thought, new belief systems into my mind that are going to lead to outcomes that I want that are going to be received every time and the key of the love language. And you apply this to money and work. Can you give me an example? Sure. So quality access service, sorry, is my primary, right? So here's the thing. 
unless my unconscious mind sees me showing up physically to what I claim to be my new belief system, it's going to take its poppycock. It's going to be like, Dan, that's not a new belief. You don't believe that. If you did, where's the, where's the, where's the physical action? Back it up. So my unconscious mind doesn't receive it as a new belief. It sees I'm play acting. It's like, yeah, cool, whatever, mate. you still got that limiting belief. But when I, for example, I'm like, for example, I'm working on becoming a full-time philanthropist. That's like my next, my next big thing. So every time I get the opportunity to do something around philanthropy, I'm reinforcing through my action to my unconscious mind that this is where we're going. So my unconscious mind's like, oh, there's some evidence. Like, oh, I see that. I can hear what you're doing. I can see what you're doing. Oh, yeah, we're, we're moving towards that goal. If I get opportunities to be of service or to do something philanthropic, and I'm like, yeah, like I haven't got the time for that. That's not really me. The unconscious mind's like, well, I guess that's not what we're doing. Then we're going to keep on being an entrepreneur and philanthropy BS. So that's the way the thing is. With physical touch, you need tangible physical evidence. If there's nothing tangible and physical that your senses can hold on to, that your nervous system can feel, it doesn't believe it. So totems work for you. Getting something physical to represent what you want to move towards, whether that's like some kind of like physical anchor. Having things in your environment that physically represent where you're going to. If there's a thing that you want, for example, going to test drive the thing or going to find a way to find some pseudo representation of the thing, is going to have your nervous system speaking to your unconscious mind to say, oh, yeah, we're actually doing this. And then it starts to believe it. I'm obsessed. It's really, truly rewiring your consciousness. It's genius. Okay, four and five. Yeah. Number four is decisions. Ultimately, we're always moving through these crossroads and these crossroads are what are leading us one way or the other. What you want wants you to. Once you've set the goal in motion, you've got the capacity to move towards it. But every time that we hit a choice point, we are making a decision that's taking us closer towards the thing or further away from the thing. The only way that we're going to be able to make those decisions in an enhanced way is if we're not making from the ego, we're making them in communion or in, in collaboration with spirit. And our authority in human design is the perfect way to do that because it's not mind, it's body-based. So for example, I'm sacral. So I follow my sacral responses that keep me making the decisions that are aligned with my intention as an emotional you let it ride, you sleep on it, you take a moment, you take a step back, and you let it settle. Someone who is mental protected, they'll go and talk it out. Someone who's self-protected, they learn to build trust. Someone that's leaning, they go and have the divining tools to work with their intuition. But that core piece is how do I make decisions that keep me aligned with my goal that are spirit-based and not ego-based? And then five. Five is action. And for me, action is the least and the most important thing. Because I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we live in a, a cause and effect three-dimensional reality. And everything that shows up in our physical reality is the effect of the causation of a choice or an action, a habit, and a behavior that we've made. And so what we want to do is we want to support what we've done in pillar three with the unconscious, the unconscious in internal communication. We want to support the choices that we've made against one and two, learning what we should be doing. We want to support the decision that we've been presented in number four and actually take action without procrastination, without self-sabotage. And what we do is we look at a couple of pieces. One of them is Gretchen Rubin's model on four tendencies, which helps us to take action. That's actually in line with what, what we want to do. She's awesome. I love that. And another thing is, is just having that really desire-driven connection to the outcome. So we mix those together, and then all of a sudden, you are not fighting yourself to go and take action. You're flowing into taking the actions that bring you to your goal. Well, I feel served. <laughs> I think I'm sure my audience does too, but like, I just got really fed. Thank you. Um, hey, I'm going to listen to this back and take notes because I, I wasn't present, but this is amazing. So I want to note 
Daniel, like you, you built an enterprise around this and I know so much more around you. Can you talk, talk to me? Like, what does your business look like? Tell me about your revenue streams, your team. Like what, I, I just think it's so incredible what you've built. And I'm just kind of curious as much as I am like <laughs> to teach my audience the lessons of building an enterprise called you. Sure. So talk, talk to me about what it looks like today. So like I started off, uh, I was like, did the events and they were like really just giving them away, really people doing some donation stuff. I get a place to sleep. Someone pay for my plane or my train or whatever to get around. And then it kind of moved into people sort of begging me to take some money to work with me on a one-on-one basis. And it used to be like a hundred bucks an hour to work with me or whatever. And then what I did, so I've got a concept that I teach called push your edge and not your buttons. Push your edge and not your buttons. It's a way to keep under tension, but not under so much tension that your nervous system can't handle it. And then you end up in breakdown or burnout. And that's what growth is, that growth edge. You maintain a consistent growth edge without burning out. So anytime I get too comfortable asking for a certain amount of money or doing a certain activity, I find a way to make it uncomfortable. Uncomfortable enough for me to feel it, but not so much that I can't feel what I'm doing. And so I started looking at doing started doing retreats, for example, in 2019, because it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't too far outside of what I was doing. And so I did it in other countries. So I had to make it a bit, a bit interesting. And that became something that, that would always sell out really, really quickly. Then we started doing virtual retreats and virtual workshops because it allowed me to scale more. And it was something that we could do as an overflow. So we'd have a retreat that would sell out really quickly because there's never more than six or seven people. And then the overflow were coming to a virtual workshop and so on and so forth. And then as I started pushing the edge on what I felt comfortable asking for, I think I started doing five-figure packages like back end of 2019, early 2020 is when that started to happen. And then all of a sudden you go from, you know, selling 2K things here and 3K things there to 10 and 20K things, right? Now, all of a sudden you've, you've increased your revenue and you need less people and you can dive in a bit deeper. And then over time, started scaling, bringing in coaches to support on terms of the deliveries so that we could do more, gaining more depth and texture to how we're serving people and also can invest back into more interesting things like different platforms that we can use. And so we scaled that. But the, the thing is, is that I always had a goal. And when I'm describing the revenue jumps, I actually describe them in the way that I went for it. So I went initially, I, I said, okay, six figures, hundred grand. That happened really quickly for us. I launched a particular program that's done very well over the last few years called Micro to Millions. And that took us to six figures in four and a half months. And then what actually happened was I started looking at, okay, well, what does a six-figure quarter look like? And it's the same model that I used in my, my consulting company that I had before. Like, okay, in order to do 100K quarter, we're talking about doing 400K over the course of the year. All right, we need to be making sure that we're doing every sort of month 25 grand a month, five or 6K a week. What does that look like? Do I have something that actually serves people and will be a value that I don't need to force down people's throat that they're going to want? That's going to allow me to maintain integrity, to maintain flow, to maintain my internal environment so that I'm in service, I can be of service, that allows me to make that one or 2,000 a day. Yes. And then we're doing the same thing on a monthly basis. Okay, 100K a month. We're not talking about 25K weeks. All right. Do I want to be slogging it every single day? No. All right. But we're looking at, you know, five to 7K a day, something like that. Can I do that? Do I have the drive? Do I have the desire? Do I have people that can be served by what I have to offer at that basis? Yes. Maybe it's no. And if it's no, am I solving in a big enough problem? Do I have a problem that's got enough people that can be served by it? Fast, we moved into higher ticket items. So we've got items that go up to 50 or 60,000, right? 
But then you also got to remember that what are your internal belief systems around that? So for me, I just can't sell something that's not going to be a value. I just, I can't do it. There are people that can go on Instagram, they can go on Facebook, they can sell something knowing that people aren't going to really follow through in it. So our higher ticket stuff are very much done for you. Like we don't have space for people to give us 50, 60K and not get the result because we actually lock them in so that we have to get the result for them, you know? And so personal integrity, I think is very, very important. And people that don't enjoy the money that they have or struggle to bring in money, ask yourself, are you being in integrity with what you're offering? Because if you're not, you're going to struggle. And if you are, you're going to be happy. And so we did that and we've done that and done that. And again, you know, coming up to, to you know, to six figure weeks, like two thousand a week of a big ticket. And then you get other bits that happen in, in the meantime, you know? And so that's what it's really about understanding what is a, a jump or a goal that I can move into that feels aligned and feels an integrity for me. Do I have in my current repertoire product or a service that enables me to do that without stress? And if not, can I solve a bigger problem or scale something so that it's able to serve more people? That allows me to do that in a way that's aligned with my money DNA. I wish I could talk to you for like three hours. <laughs> You're just, I want to tell you my life story. This is about you today, but I'm like, I want to like hire something. You're amazing. So, so amazing. How can people like what do so these ticket items, the ways in which to engage, what do the services and offerings look like? So generally speaking, our high ticket one is financial freedom in a box where we actually engineer your financial freedom package for you. We set everything up, we manage it. You just kick back and get paid. So that's the like our higher ticket stuff. I do do VIP days, which is the only thing that I personally do, a coaching perspective. I do weekends as well. People, when I'm in Carbo, people come to Carbo. Uh, we do virtual as well. I don't really fly out to see people because it doesn't really, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I can't be bothered. But generally speaking, we do like the days or weekends, I do those. And then we start to get into, we've got some done with you stuff that we do on the coaching side. That's like, you know, the 10 to 15 mark and so on and so forth. We're just launching now Abundance University, which is something that feels really, really aligned for me in terms of creating space for people to be served and still have a value exchange, but it's accessible. So I've got abundanceuniversity.com and we're literally loading that up with all of my lower ticket items and stuff. We're not selling them individually now. You just go in the membership and you can get it. And whenever I feel inspired to create something, I'm going to drop it in. We're reaching out to friends and having them drop stuff in there as well. So it's loaded with value. So that's kind of the ecosystem looks like now. It may evolve, but right now that's what feels good. Well, that's inspiring and, and expanding for, for me, for whatever it's worth in a lot of ways and how I'm evolving. I just, you know, I want, as you're, as we're about to wrap, but I'm like, I want to bring you back. You're one of the only guests I'm like, <laughs> Again, not just for my own sort of value, but my audience service. Because you're all about the quantum and abundance and frequency and codes. And that's the stuff that like really is a huge like focus for me right now. I just went to Egypt about four or five months ago and yeah, 15 day spiritual pilgrimage and like my DNA, speaking of DNA, went from like carbon to crystalline. Yeah, I, I, felt, I felt the energy of your necklace. Like I felt mm-hmm. it when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's beautiful to hear. You're beautiful inside and out. I told you when I when I'm a frequency person as you are, and you came into my inbox, and I mean you're you're not only impressive on paper, but I could feel that you were going to be an incredible conversation and that you were someone thank I you. wanted to know. So thank you for your brilliance today. I just have a few last questions for you. Sure thing. As uh you know, you're, you're on the Simply Be podcast today and the Simply Be mantra is a 
is a set of two words that have changed my life and mean a lot to me, but I don't think they belong to me. I think they're, they're a universal phrase. So when you hear those two words, simply be, what mm-hmm. do they mean? Immediately what resonates with me is I don't have to do anything. It's like one of the things I have to remind myself anytime I get confused or flustered or trying to work everything out is that I'm just an expression of something that's whole and complete. And if we look at holograms, anything that comes from something whole and complete is whole and complete in itself, even if it doesn't look exactly like the whole completeness that it comes from. And it's just that reminder that I don't have to fight or fuss to be perfection, regardless of what it looks like through my human eyes, I am perfect as I am simply be. That's incredible. And also sidebar, this is relevant. So I wrote a book and one of my top frameworks, the core foundational framework is called the hologram. We were, is an even bigger sign that we're aligned and that we should, you know, we were meant to know each other. You're phenomenal. Thank you so much for your your wisdom, your brilliance, your energy today. Where can people find you, engage with you, listen to your podcast, buy your book? Like, tell us all of the things. We'll link in the show notes. Dreamwithdan.com is the easiest way to find everything. All the socials are there. My blog's on there. I write for Entrepreneur Magazine as well. Thank for those, the podcast, everything. Dreamwithdan.com. Well, you go have the best time with Richard Branson. I mean, you can tell him yeah. that you talked to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. <laughs> okay. I- Bit of a weird rival with Rivid at the moment. So when I was there last year, we had like a little chest off, and uh, I won't take up too much time. So I won the first game, and he wasn't very happy. And then everyone was like, "You didn't let Richard win." I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "No, like he's a really, really sore loser." Like he left the party after after that. And so we had the second game, and then he won the second game. And I tried to hide the rest of the week. I tried to hide from him the rest of the week and he was meant to go to Mallorca on the Friday and I thought he'd gone and I came out and he's like come on you we were on the last game and if you look on my Instagram there's a picture of him strangling me because I won the third game but I did say to him I said to Richard don't worry we'll make it best of five but I can next time so and if you look on his Instagram after so I was there in March April I was there in April the weeks after there was always like chess boards and his Instagram pictures and he's the kind of person who like have a grand master come and live on the island so yeah i don't know if i'm going to be alive unless he wins but if i'm alive i'll definitely tell him okay sounds like a deal it's pretty <laughs> pretty epic story you're a light and like a true like gift and i'm so really grateful that your people did find me and put you into my inbox and led to this conversation and i hope that this is in our our first. Count me in. <laughs> <laughs>